Hello, everyone, and this is the uh, official return of my podcast, which I've tried to relaunch like half a dozen times and just failed miserably, so I'm back. Um, I'm not going to do any kind of video, I think, going forward. It's it's too much of a pain in the butt. It's uh, I don't want to get into the technical details of what goes into podcasting and then putting all this together. It is much, much easier if I just stick my head in front of a microphone and start talking. So that's what I'm going to do going forward. And uh, I'm also changing the name of the podcast from The Drinking Buddy Show to uh, Sports and Stuff with Brian. It's it's just so much easier um, from a, I guess, from a concept standpoint. The Drinking Buddy Show was a thing I did, you know, obviously 10 plus years ago with my friends Rob and Ken and my cousin Chris, and then some of my other friends would jump in from time to time. But um, I don't even really drink that much anymore, if I'm being honest. And and I, that was more of a, a thing with my buddies. So I think this is just a a more appropriate name for what I do. I mean, I've had Andrew on, and he's not even allowed to drink. So so yeah, so that's going to be the uh, the name of the of the show, uh, as you'll see in the you know the new title and all that stuff. If you're if you're accessing this via iTunes or, or Google Play or however you're listening to the podcast, so um, so I thought today I'd, I'd discuss um, my my recent attempt and successful attempt, I guess, to run a marathon. So um, and I I guess I'll preface all of this by saying that. Uh, if you're if you're listening to this, expecting to hear a story about how it was this amazing, exhilarating experience and how it changed my life to do it and how I'd do it again in a heartbeat, um, how it was, uh, you know, uh, it was painful, but, the, you know, one of the most amazing things I've ever done. No, no, it was awful. And I knew it was going to be awful from the minute I, I, I signed up for it and, uh, it will be my last marathon. And a lot of people say, oh, you you know, people say that all the time and then they have second thoughts. Nope. No second thoughts for me. I'm definitely not going to run another marathon. Uh, I came out of it having stress fracture, a stress fracture in my foot. I, I haven't been able to run since. I've been doing other non-impact things recently. But um, yeah, distance running is not my thing. I did it to kind of check off a, a bucket list item. But um I guess I'll go through the race in a little bit, but you know, before before I get to that, I'll I'll backtrack and um, you know, I think I think by now most people know my story in terms of my fitness and where I was years ago. But if if not, I guess I'll, I'll rehash and I'll tell some stories along the way. So, um, you know, obviously uh, as a kid growing up, I, I wouldn't I was athletic, but I wasn't. I wasn't built athletic, if that makes any sense. So I played sports. I played basketball and I played baseball. And I would definitely say that I was not uh, I was not a, a, um, a well-conditioned athlete for those sports. I don't think I was in poor shape, but I certainly could have been in much better shape having played baseball and basketball. Um, and that, that caught up with me big time because I was, you know, I was a decent basketball player from like say I don't know 5th to 8th grade but the as the game became faster and kids got more athletic it, it it became harder for me to be to be really good at it. I mean I what I always could do is I could always shoot so when the game was slower, you know, basically they'd run me off a couple of screens, I'd get open and I'd take a shot and I I had a pretty good shot so I I'd usually make the shot. Didn't really have a good handle on the ball. I was I was a pretty poor dribbler. I mean, I wasn't like totally like a like a klutz, but I, I definitely did not have a great handle um, on the ball, and uh, so my 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 claim to fame was basically shooting, and I had a pretty decent corner shot. So typically, what I would do is for for years, I would basically just run along the back baseline and get they'd set it, the play that they ran was called Iowa, and I think it's because Iowa University use the form of this play where just I'm basically run off a pick. I'm I'm set up on the low block. If you know anything about basketball, it's like basically down by the rim. Um and I'm set up there and I just kind of like somebody creates a pick. They pick another they pick the guy that's defending me. I sprint out to the to the baseline and I'm open for a shot. And that was sort of the play that was designed and run for me from like fifth, sixth for fifth, sixth and seventh grade. And I was pretty effective at it. But as the game started to speed up, I really 
wasn't that good because like I couldn't dribble really well and I wasn't able to create enough space to get open to make that shot. So guys who are more athletic and, and, and just, you know, better basketball players, to be honest, uh, um, you know, surpassed me. And then by the time I got to high school, I just, I, I was never, I was never going to make Kellenberg's <laughs> freshman basketball team. It just wasn't going to happen. I wasn't a good enough athlete to, to make that happen. So I mostly focused on baseball I, you know, and baseball is not one of those sports where you need to be in crazy good shape to be effective at it. You can be, you can't be out of shape, I don't think, anyway, to be a good baseball player because it, it is a skill sport. But you, you know, again, that's one of those things where if you're you have poor conditioning, it catches up with you. So I was always a pretty decent baseball player growing up. I mean, I, you know, um, I can't remember. I, I might have made all county as uh, at one point uh, uh, with Kellenberg as a junior or a senior, you know, I, I had my moments where I was, I was pretty good at it. But one of the things that my conditioning, where, where it cost me is as I got, I guess, further along in my, my high school career, I wasn't really getting much better as a pitcher. And if anything, I was compensating for the fact that I, I probably was a little bit overweight. So I, you know, my, my mechanics as a pitcher suffered a little bit. Um, I wasn't, able able to ever really throw with my legs and if you know anything about pitching you really a lot of it is a lower you need good legs and a good lower body to pitch properly that uh, having a good arm is part of it but it's not all of it in fact that's usually that's probably what my undoing was was being poorly conditioned and um, not having good pitching mechanics so you know as by the time I got to be a senior I was a relatively tall right-handed guy that looked like he should have thrown the ball much harder than he did like I probably threw the ball on my best day probably in the high 70s low 80s but in reality I was probably more in like the mid 70s and what my my claim to fame was was that I had good good off-speed pitches good breaking ball so you know I would be throwing 75 76 miles an hour but my curve or my changeup were still really effective pitches because they kept people off balance. So I was able to get hitters out, not by overpowering them, but just by being smart, good with my location. I didn't walk a lot of guys. I was like I was like a poor man's high school version of like Greg Maddox, if that makes any sense. And my conditioning was never great. I hated running. Uh, <laughs> there's a story that my my best buddy, Mike Noah, will always tell about how I forgot if it was junior or senior year. And I, I was really upset that I wasn't named like a team captain. And looking back, I had no business being a team captain. Uh, even if I, even if I was one of the more important players on the team, I just totally didn't deserve it. But we were asked to do some like laps around. I don't know. I feel like it was like somewhere on Kellenberg's campus. And uh, our our old coach Bernie Ward, who is awesome, hysterical, but Bernie didn't really pay attention a whole lot. At one point during one of the laps, I was just gassed, like early on, like in the run where I just, I couldn't go anywhere. So I just, I ducked out and I hid in the bushes. And I remember getting back to like the locker room and, or maybe even had, maybe it was even during the run and Noah just lit into me and deservedly so. Like he was a team captain and he was just like, you know, you're sitting here telling me how you want to be a, a captain. And meanwhile, you're, you're hiding in the bushes. He just ripped me, and I, I totally deserved it, and that definitely put... It was one of many, many moments growing up where I realized that I was desperately trying to hide my lack of conditioning. Anyway, I don't even want to, like, get too, you know... I could go on and on about, like, baseball stories and stuff, but, you know, within a year, you know, I I, try, I, I made a, a, a an attempt to play Division One baseball at New York Tech. I was basically a... I guess I was a walk-on. Um, it was kind of like a walk-on with the understanding that I'd probably be on the roster as long as I didn't stink. And within two months, my elbow, I tore my ulnar collateral ligament. It's the, um, it's basically the thing that you need Tommy John surgery for. Uh, that combined with the fact that I was just miserable, I, I didn't enjoy it. Um, it was, it was, there was a lot of conditioning, a lot of running that I was not prepared for. I'll be the first to admit I, I bit off way more than I could chew. So at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm done. I, there's, I'm not going to get Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, it's going to be probably a year and a half to two years before I can even pitch. It for me at that point, it wasn't worth it. Knowing knowing the amount of work I would have had to have put in to be a college pitcher, I just I stepped away at that point. And so I ended up finishing my my last three years and change 
at Malloy College, um, which I which worked out because I, I went there for free. I mean, I, I worked in the admissions office for for the three years that I I worked there, and some of it was sort of like a like a like a student uh, admissions. P- like I wouldn't call it a work study, but I basically I was some one of those guys that went out to high school or college fairs uh, as a, as a representative of the college, explaining what the college was all about. So that was pretty cool, and it helped, I, I had to do about twenty hours a week, and it helped pay for my uh, pay for my tuition, which was awesome. So you know, in life, things worked out just fine for me, but it just kind of puts in perspective where my conditioning was growing up. I was never I was never in great shape and I was never really in terrible shape I was sort of in the middle and there were times where I would you know lose weight and then I'd put it back on I was I would always bounce up and down with my weight for years then Bridget and I get married I'm in my my early 20s at this point we have Andrew and I was I was heavy but I wasn't like brutally heavy but as soon as she you know uh had Andrew and really leading up to Andrew you know, she's, she's eating a lot because she's pregnant, which makes sense. You know, she's, she's feeding, she's eating for two and here I am. And I'm, I'm basically eating with her. The difference is that I didn't have a baby. (laughs) So I didn't lose, you know, the 50 pounds or so that, that she was able to lose relatively quickly following, you know, when Andrew was born. Um, and I never took it off. So I probably, you know, I don't, I wasn't somebody who was keen on getting on a scale, so I don't really know what I weighed. I would definitely guess I was in the high twos to low 300 pound range around when Andrew was born. Probably continued to eat a little bit, you know, um, being, you know, just, I just continued to eat. I wasn't working out at that point. I was, you know, I was, I was working pretty regularly. I remember, especially when I was working at Wells Fargo, I mean, I was, I never like would do the healthy thing and like bring in lunch. I was always buying the Chinese or the, the pizza around the corner. I just had really healthy, really unhealthy eating habits. And, um, you know, and then fast forward a few years later, and then we have Audrey and the same thing, you know, Bridget's eating for two and I'm eating with her. And I, you know, I can't exactly, I'll tell you two stories about, I guess, when I turned the corner on my weight. It wasn't too long after Audrey was born. It was probably around sometime in 2010, um, which is about a year after Audrey was born that I really, I kind of realized there was a couple of things that made me want to take this on. One was, um, I was at, at the time I was working at American Home Mortgage and this was, this is before Audrey, but it was not too long before I ended up leaving and, and, you know, I'm at my current employer. So I'm sitting at my desk and I, I, I thought I was having a heart attack. Like I, my, my heart was racing and I felt like this sharp pain and I told my boss Jason at the time I'm like Jason I, I, I gotta get out of here man I don't, I don't feel right anyway it, it actually turned out to just be like a muscle spasm in my back apparently it was a very common thing to have like the spasm in the area that I had it but I, I was in my I don't even think I was 30 years old yet and I felt like I was having a heart attack I'm like that's that's a that's not a good sign so that was one thing that made me think I really have to address this soon the next time, um, this is a little bit more, uh, I guess, a funnier story, was sometime around um, some fall of 2010, I, I guess. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about Christmas, and Andrew was relatively young, and we were trying to, like, kind of pump up the idea of Christmas. It was probably approaching Thanksgiving, if not on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, I just remember Andrew, very innocently, he wasn't saying it in a mean way, and he just innocently says to me, uh, you know, hey, daddy, you look like Santa Claus. And I'm sitting there going, you know, he's, he's, he's got a point. Uh, I kind of do have this Santa-ish appearance in that I'm really obese and I eat a lot of cookies and milk. So I could see why he made that, you know, that connection that daddy looks like Santa Claus because I did look like Santa Claus. I was very heavy, probably had really red cheeks. I didn't have the beard. But everything else kind of matched up. So here's Andrew. He's, I don't know, five, six years old at the time. And he's, he's, he's done the math. And he's like, yeah, this guy's fat. He's, he's, he's Santa Claus-esque. So um, that was a big eye-opener. When, when, when your own child thinks you legitimately could be Santa Claus. Um, so I, I then kind of got the ball rolling on losing some weight. And... Uh, 
you know, those I'd say that was the big one. That that was the one that kind of set sent me over the edge in terms of okay, I really got to do something here because I, I I can't. You know, it was it was before Andrew became like a, a good swimmer, but I didn't I didn't want my kids growing up thinking that man, I mean, I, my my dad can barely get out of his own way here. I I knew I had to do something. So, uh, the interesting thing is that when I I guess first started, I won't even call it dieting. I literally just said I I can't. I guess I refer to it as like a lifestyle change where I, I had to, and I've continued to live this way for the most part, had a bit of a setback, I'd say somewhere along the way, but um, where I basically say I'm, I'm going to consume X amount per day for the most part. You know, there are days where I, I go over for sure, but I, my goal is to consume a certain amount of calories per day. And my other goal is to make sure that I work off a certain number of calories per day, and that's not always going to be some crazy intense. You know, I'm not sitting there like like sweating like Rocky, pounding a a, a side of beef in my garage every day. I, I'm I'm doing some intense workouts and some less intense workouts, but sometime around uh, 20. And I, again, keep in mind in 2010, I'm nowhere near doing close to being able to do intense workouts. I'm over 380 pounds. And the reason why I, I can't even give you an exact number is that we had a digital scale at home and the digital scale only went up to like, I think 380 or 375. And the first couple of times I stepped on it, it just read ERR, meaning error. Like it didn't know, it, it couldn't go as high as I wanted it to go. <laughs> so I basically had to start losing weight without really knowing what my starting point was and keep getting on the scale until I knew where I was at. And then at some point within like a month, I was getting readings in the 360s, which was not great, obviously, but at least it gave me a number to work off of. And that was around, again, it was around Thanksgiving of 2010. Uh, the interesting thing is that Bridget had no idea that I was even like on a diet. Like I, all of a sudden she was like buying food, like as if I was still consuming it, consuming it at the same rate. I kind of behind her back went and threw a lot of stuff in the garbage because I just didn't want her to know that like I wasn't going to eat it. And I just, it was a subtle thing that I was doing behind her back. Like I, I, every night she would go to bed and I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'll be, I'll be up in a little while or I'll be, I forgot actually our bedroom was downstairs because this is at our old house. So, so yeah, I'll be in bed in a little while. And I would usually go upstairs to our, we had like an office that also had like a stationary bike and I'd go up there. And I'd ride the stationary bike for like an hour in like a sweatshirt and be drenched. And I would do this pretty regularly for the first couple of months behind. I mean, I think she knew I was biking, but she didn't necessarily know I was attempting to lose weight. Because we had the bike and I would use it once in a while, but it was mostly collecting dust. And, you know, the, the more subtle thing was that I was trying not to let on that I was changing my, my dietary habits, that I wasn't eating as much. But eventually... I'd say within three or four months, I had to kind of come clean with her and be like, yeah, just so you know, you know, I've been trying to lose weight. And this was probably, th I'd say a good three months into the process before I actually had a conversation with her and told her what my intentions were. Uh, so yeah, sometime then, I guess early 2011, like January, February, I tell Bridget what's going on because at this point now I can't, I can't hide it. I've probably lost... 60 70 pounds within a few months like I was losing a lot of weight fast because my I was eating a lot less I wasn't you know starving myself but I was eating much more appropriate levels of food in conjunction with like some biking and then eventually I was able to get to walk like I that was another big thing I could barely walk like walking a mile for me was painful I'd have shin splints I was um, I was out of breath real easily. I mean, it was it was so uncomfortable to walk, and I, I had to lose that initial surge of weight in order to just get to the point where I could walk. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess to kind of make a long story short, I, I, I'm, I'm probably beyond that point now, but I went from somewhere in the high 300s, if I was to take a guess, down to about 229, I think was my lowest point on a scale, and that was right around August of 2011. So in less than 10 months, I, I lost over 150 pounds. And naturally, like I didn't have any surgeries. I, I, I got that question a million times. Did you have the lap band or whatever that crap was called? And no, I didn't have any of that. I, I just 
I, I ate a lot less and I, and I probably had so much water weight that I lost and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think I did it the right way. I, I didn't, I didn't, I just cut out a lot of stuff that I was eating. Um, I didn't starve myself. I said I changed some of the things I, I was putting into my body and replaced it with other things. But I can't say I like stopped eating one thing. I didn't go no carbs or anything like that. I just ate less of what I already ate. That's honestly what I did. Um, and so I kept that routine probably through, uh, probably through parts of 2012, but things really kind of got off the rails again, right around, right around when Hurricane Sandy hit. Cause once Sandy hit, which was October of 2012, late October of 2012, I had put a couple of pounds back on, which I really wasn't that upset about because I had lost so much and I was really, you know, I'd kind of fallen into like a routine, uh, but when Sandy hit, it was just, you know, we, we had to go live with my in-laws for several months. And we, we then had to go back out of the house again in 2015 when we had to lift it. So I just, I got out of the routine that I had set up for myself. So from between, I'd say, 20, late 2012 through like 2016, early 2017, I probably put another 50 back on, if I'm being honest with myself. I probably got myself back up to like 270 or 280. Um it wasn't as obvious to people, I think, because I I was went from a place of being so heavy to being in decent shape that adding fifty pounds back fifty pounds back on probably didn't seem like that big of a deal to people. Like I was still walking, I was doing things, but I just wasn't really committed to it. I was, ah, you know, I just like I said, I was kind of putting in like half effort to just not get too too fat. But I knew I was gaining weight because my my waistline was was gone, had gone up and. My shirts went from like extra large to double extra large again. So I just, I knew. Uh, and then we ended up, you know, we ended up moving to our, our new home in Wanta. And that's, that's around the time that I, I said, you know, I'm going to do it again. Like, I, and, and this time I'm sticking with it. And one, and one of the big things and the, the advantage to our new house is that we have a lot more space, the basement especially. So it allowed me to make some, some investments in like exercise equipment and things that I've always, always wanted. I mean, I, I can, I, not joking when I say I've always wanted a treadmill. I'm not one of those guys that buys a treadmill and lets it just sit there. I was running on. I I have a treadmill. I run on it at least two or three times a week, especially in, in really cold or really warm weather. When the weather is like decent outside, I'll run outside. But um, I'm religious with using the treadmill. I have a Concept Two rowing machine, which is a. If anybody knows anything about rowing machines, it's a very very good. Uh, piece of rowing equipment. They use it at like college and universities. It's used for. Um, uh, like the like those CrossFit fitness games to gauge rowing times. Um, it's it's a really sturdy piece of equipment. Um, I have kettlebells. Uh, and and more. Most recently, I I oh I also have a a Rogue Echo, what's basically called an assault bike or an air bike or an airdyne bike. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit, uh, like a death machine. It's insanely difficult to use, but it's really, really great for your cardiovascular system. And most recently I joined Peloton. So I have a Peloton. So I've got, I've got a, a plethora of things that I can use to, uh, enhance or, or better my fitness. So that's not a problem. So, uh, as I went through my second round, I guess, of weight loss in, in 2017, right after we moved into our new house and I was able to you know, stockpile some of this fitness equipment, um, I got myself down to a, a really, really, some people would say too low of a weight. I mean, it's, it's definitely not medically too low. And I, I don't think I'm, I think if you look at me, I look like a, just a normal, healthy person. And if you didn't know me as like, quote unquote, fat Brian before, um, you know, it it wouldn't be as much of a shock to you. Like you would just look at me and go, "That's a normal looking dude right there," and I, I, that's how I feel. Um, so yeah, 20, 2017, I, I I get back into my routine. I get that back down to about one ninety five. That's probably been around the weight I've been at. I I probably go up and down five pounds here or there depending on what I'm doing. Um, but for the most part, I've been at the same weight and the same waistline and the same, you know, size clothing now for, you know, close to two years. I mean, it's, you know, maybe a year and a half. I, I don't know. It's, it's I, I'm trying to remember when I actually got down into like a large and I'm wearing like a 34 waist. I was actually at one point flirting with a 33 or a 32 waist, which I thought was pretty cool. But 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm not trying to lose anymore. I'm just trying to maintain what I have because I think I'm at a healthy weight and I feel good. And I, in, back in May of this year, I ran the half marathon, which was Nassau County's, which I was totally prepared for. Um, I've, I've had on and off like foot issues over the last couple of years. I had, uh, I tore my plantar fascia muscle, uh, t- not muscle. Is it a muscle? I don't know. I, I tore my plantar, fa- plantar fascia, uh, in my right foot a couple of years back playing softball. That healed itself within several weeks. That wasn't a big deal, but I've had like on and off tendonitis in my feet, you know, cause I'm, I, I'm active. So I, it's just one of those things where I, I get foot tendonitis and I have I have orthotics and I have like not just over-the-counter orthotics I have like like actual like doctor prescribed uh you know good like I forgot what the material is but it's graphite or something like that they're they're very very good inserts so I have I do take I try to take care of my feet but I I have on and off tendonitis but I still managed to back in May do the half marathon and I think I did it for me anyway I did it under the conditions in a pretty good time. I did a half marathon, my first and last one ever. Uh, and for, for if you don't know, a half marathon is, is 13.1 miles. Um, I did it in an hour and 45 minutes. So, and just so you know, this is another, I guess, side story to my marathoning is that it was in a torrential downpour. And I know they always tell you that you run like personal bests in the rain. Yeah, maybe, but not when it's a torrential downpour. Like, at least for me, anyway, I was very uncomfortable that entire run. Um, running for an hour and 45 minutes in just a steady, steady, heavy rain. I mean, my my sneakers weighed like four pounds after that race was done. So, for most of that race, I held a, um, a time that I was comfortable running in, which was I was somewhere in like the 730 to 745 per mile pace range. And really, it was just the first mile where it was really crowded at the start, and I was having a hard time getting going. That was like nine minutes plus. And the last couple of miles, I fell back into the eights. But overall, I was just under an eight-minute mile for the entire thing, and I was really happy with that. Came out of it. I had no injuries. I was obviously very sore the next day, but I was not... Um, yeah, I was I was functionally sore. Like I could get around, and I just, you know, I knew I was going to have a couple of days where I needed to just relax, but it was it was all good. And then I knew that one of my other goals was to just try to do a full marathon. Like once you do the half, you're like, I wonder if I could pull off the full because as as much as I was hurting after that half, I I still felt like I could do more, especially if I slowed my pace down. So I made it my business to try the Suffolk County half marathon, which uh, was back on I guess it was October 27th or 28th. No, it was a couple of weeks ago at this point. And so once again. The weather forecast did not cooperate with me, and in fact, it was worse for the full marathon uh, than it was for when I did the half. It was steady rain, and not only was it a steady, relatively heavy rain, but it was about a 30 to 35 mile an hour wind, which was directly in my face for the last 10 plus miles of the run. So, so let me just explain to you what my approach was going to be for this marathon and when that ended up, what ended up happening. I didn't do a lot of people who who do marathons and do running will tell you that you have to do like marathon type. There is there's actual marathon training like you kind of gradually build up to what they call like a long run, which is usually like around 20 miles uh, a couple of weeks out from the actual marathon. And then you you kind of pull back a little bit heading into the marathon. So you're almost like doing like a taper. So you work your way up and then you kind of slow things down so that you're all set and ready to go the day of the marathon. And I didn't quite do that. And I, and that was intentional because, um, I knew I had a history of tendonitis in my feet. And the one thing I didn't want to have happen was I didn't want to have my feet be a problem the day of the run. So I did an awful lot of cross training, which means I did a lot of rowing and I did a lot of biking and I did do some running, but I did more like sprint training and I tried to do things that would alleviate any pains in my feet leading up to the run. And I honestly, cardio wise, felt totally comfortable doing this marathon. Like I never, even when I was going through the marathon, I never really felt cardiovascular fatigued, but okay. So I did what I thought was a reasonable amount of training leading up to the marathon for me and for my body. 
get to the marathon. And my goal that day was honestly to, and looking back, it was a foolish goal having never run a marathon before, and especially in the conditions. I thought it was a good idea to try to run it somewhere in like the four hour to four hour and 15 minute range, given the fact that I did the half marathon in an hour and 45. That was my goal. I thought it was a reasonable, uh, reasonable goal. And in order to do that, I'd have to maintain like nine minute miles. Now, for me, that's not incredibly fast. Like that's a, a nine minute mile is is a pretty slow mile. I mean, I've I've run a five k and 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 held a six fifty something mile. So for me, you know, it it just didn't feel like an incredibly it didn't feel like a really really fast pace to say I could do a nine minute mile or a nine minute and change mile over the course of, of, of four hours. And and maybe under better circumstances, that would have been the case. But so here's, here's, here's what happens. You know, you get to the starting line, the rain starts to fall. And it was, it was a gradual buildup. It was started out as a drizzle. And then all of a sudden it was like downpouring within like 20, 30 minutes. But, um, you know, I start out the race and I'm holding in the high eight minute per mile. Right? I'm probably like in the 840 to 850 range miles per minute. I'm like, all right, I'm going pretty well. Little fly in the ointment, around mile three or four, I had to go to the bathroom like you wouldn't believe. I did, you know, I had to, num- number one. Uh, so I, I you know, it's hard to explain, but there are limited opportunities along the course to do that. I had to wait for an available porta potty, which they did have throughout the course, but, you know, there are other people lined up for them sometimes. So you have to wait your turn. And I was waiting to, to go to one where there, it wasn't already occupied. So around mile eight, now at this point I've been holding my water for like 30 plus minutes. I go to the porta potty and I do my thing, which slows me down by about 45 seconds or so. I had to run in there, do my thing and run out. And it just kind of kills your momentum. But I, I recovered. And for the first half of the marathon, I basically did exactly what I wanted to do. I was I ran 13 miles in just about two hours, which was completely fine. Like I was like, you know what? That's that's fine. Because even if it takes me two hours and 15 minutes the last half of it, I'm, you know, not a big deal if I run this thing in, two, in four hours and 15 minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. And I felt still pretty good. I was tired, but I felt good. I was hydrating. I was doing all the right things. Even leading up to the marathon, I was doing the whole, like, carb loading thing where I was eating a ton of carbs. I really sincerely thought I had taken the right approach with this marathon. But you never know until you get into it. So now here we go, and I'm... I'm up to mile like 14, 15, and things just don't, they don't feel right. <laughs> like my feet are, are besides being drenched and, and they're definitely, my legs are definitely heavy without a doubt. They were starting to feel heavy, but they were in pain too. Like I was in some level of discomfort for pretty much the last 10 to 11 miles of the race. Now at the time I didn't know that I had a stress fracture in my right foot. So I, that obviously contributed to not being able to run effectively. When you're sitting there and you're planting your right foot and you, you clearly feel pain, but you don't know what that is. You think it could be just fatigue. Turns out you got a stress fracture. Okay, I, I was, you know, that was that certainly hindered my ability. Um, and then the second part of that was during that marathon, and it's no joke, I, I think every, every runner, or at least the winners who were, I think were like quoted in the paper said, the rain wasn't as much of an issue. I mean, it was, I didn't love, I didn't love it, but the wind on the back half, like there were times where the wind felt like it was blowing me backward during that last 11 miles. And when you're already tired and hurt, and you've got a huge, huge wind in your face, and you know that you've got, you know, well over an hour to go, an hour and 15, an hour and 30 to go before you reach the finish line, it is so mentally defeating. Um, And I told Bridget when I got in the car, you know, and she, I'll explain how my family was like hugely critical when I got to the finish line. But, um, you know, when I, when I got in the car after, after I finished it, I told her there was, there was a part during that last 10 miles where I really debated whether or not I should even try to finish it. Like I was, I was in tears because I, I didn't, I didn't know if I could do it. Like I, I, I got to a point where I broke, I didn't break down on the course. I kind of just like pushed through it. But in my head, I was broken. I didn't think I could do it. Um, but I just kept kind of pushing ahead. And 
I know I wrote this on Facebook and I may have put it on Instagram too or something, but it, it was so critical the people that were on that course giving me drinks and encouraging me. And they were doing it to everybody. It wasn't just me. But uh, you don't know what that means to you that when you reach like a mile marker and you see another human being and they're just like, you got it, man. You got it. Just keep going. And they give you Gatorade. And they're just, they're just being super positive. And you're like, these people are standing out in the rain to help make sure that dopes like me can do this. Like I, I just I felt like I had to keep going for them. You know, and my family too, obviously, but I just didn't, I didn't want to let anybody down. So I just kept forging ahead and I was going slow. There's no doubt about it. Some of those last 10 miles, I was putting in like, you know, 11, 12 minute per mile paces, which I I can walk that pace when I'm healthy. So that tells you how slow I was going. I was like doing, you know, jogging and then walking and then jogging and then walking. I mean, it was kind of pathetic, but you know, again, with that wind and, and my, the way my, my foot felt, uh, you know, I, that's that's what I had. That's what that's all I could give at that point. So I get through it. I get to the end, and it you know uh, about f- a little over four and a half hours. It was like four thirty three or something like that. At that point, I didn't even care. I just wanted to finish, and I didn't even really work. Any, I didn't know who was going to be at the finish. Bridget mentioned maybe coming with the kids, but I even told her, "I'm like Bridge, it's supposed to be terrible weather. I'm not going to be upset if you don't go because." I don't expect it. Like, and I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I, I just kind of figured that when I'd finish, maybe somebody will be there. And if not, I'll hang out, I'll hydrate, I'll find something and I'll, I'll, people will take care of me and I'll get myself home. Well, I finish and I hear some people yell out Brian and I see Bridget and Audrey and Andrew and my parents all just kind of standing behind a barricade. Uh, you know, I think my mother was going to have a stroke because she was, she was very worried about my, you know, she didn't think I was going to even make it. I think she thought I died on mile nine, but, uh, they're there and they're, you know, they're trying to talk to me and they're being, I'm sure they're saying super nice and encouraging things. And in that moment, yeah, I didn't like, I didn't black out, but I couldn't tell you what anybody said to me for the next 30 or 40 minutes because I just was not coherent. Like you get to the, you almost, your body's in almost like a state of shock. Like you're trying you're trying not to just stop on a dime. Like you're, you're supposed to keep moving and moving your feet and stuff like that. But everything is telling you, dude, you, you got to lay down. Like you got, you got to get some rest. You got to get some fluids in you. So, um, you know, and it was also pouring rain. That didn't help either. So it's pouring rain and they're trying to have a conversation with me. And I clearly just am not myself. So I'm, I'm listening to them and I'm saying thank you. And I'm, I think I said I'm sorry to them several times because I legitimately felt bad that they were standing out in the rain trying to kind of like talk to me and nurse me back to health while I'm there. I mean, there was one point where I was dry heaving uh, over the side of the barricade because I thought I had a puke, but I also had nothing in my system to puke up. So uh, <laughs> sorry for the visual, but that's, uh, yeah, that, 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 was a, that was sort of a weird 30 minutes to an hour there where when the race was over, I... I was definitely emotionally exhausted. I was because I, I felt like, like I said I, I felt broken at points during that run, and uh, I was I was physically exhausted. And I was try I was trying to get food or fluids in my system, but it took me an hour and change before my body would even accept fluids or food. So I was I was slow sipping like Gatorade, but I remember at the finish I grabbed a bagel. Like they had like bagels and bananas and all sorts of stuff from all these vendors and I grabbed the bagel and it took me like almost an hour and a half to finish a bagel, like just a cream cheese, everything bagel. I couldn't eat it. And you would think after running for four and a half hours, you'd want to just be like, go nuts. And my body wasn't like, I couldn't, I couldn't swallow food. (laughs) I was trying to, but every time I tried to, I felt like I was going to throw it back up. It was very weird. So, um, so yeah. So then now, now it kind of becomes this thing where, so I'm, I'm there and I obviously look really, really bad and I had driven myself that morning to get to the race. So it was kind of like, am I capable of driving myself home? You know, my mother has the genius idea of, well, maybe Andrew can drive you for his first time. Like my, he's, the kid's never gotten behind the wheel of a car. It's like a monsoon outside and we're going to have him drive me home from Patchogue in my car. Not a great idea. My mother's heart was in the right place, but man, that would have been something. So, you know, I got my stuff together enough to the point where I, I, could, I said to Bridget, I'm like, listen, just get me back to my car. 
I sat in the car with Andrew. Andrew did ride shotgun with me. So in case, God forbid, I had to pull over to the side of the road or my legs cramped up or I couldn't drive, I had somebody else in the car with me as a precaution. So Andrew did ride with me. And honestly, it was totally fine. I got home. I, I took Sunrise Highway straight home, and it was it was a pretty straight shot, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, and Andrew was kind of just like my, my shotgun partner in terms of he'd give me a Gatorade or a bagel bite or something like that as I needed it or I could take it. Um, but that was a little dicey there, getting walking from, I guess, the finish line all the way back to the car. First, we went to Bridget's car, then she drove me back to the to the St. Joe's parking lot where I was parked. And uh, just that that fir- that couple of minutes in the car with her was was really dicey. <laughs> like I was kind of like in this: Am I gonna am I gonna throw up? Am I gonna am I gonna pass out? <laughs> like what's what's gonna happen here in these next couple of minutes? And, and and then can I convince Bridget that I'm okay to drive once I get through all this? And I did. I think sitting in the car, which was air conditioned, and having some sips of Gatorade and just kind of slowly bringing my heart rate back down helped me compose myself to the point where I could get home you know and then and then it just became like once I got home uh just getting myself in warm clothes like pajamas I couldn't I couldn't even walk up the stairs so I I, Bridget basically did everything for me I I just stripped off the stuff that I ran the marathon and she she got me some pajama bottoms and a and a hoodie and uh and I think for about four hours there I just kind of like sat in a state of paralysis (laughs) With, uh, you know, I got some Aleve in my system. And I was trying to, you know, drink and eat something as much as I possibly could. And, and slowly over over that four-hour period, I was able to get some food and stuff in my system. But it was uh, it was a very, very, and, and has been an unpleasant couple of weeks physically following that, that, that marathon. Um, you know, and I, so one of the reasons why I, I don't think I would do it again is that I legitimately didn't enjoy it. I, I I like being able to say that I did it. You know, I, I it's it's cool. It's a cool story to say that like to where I came from to what I did. I think is you know I'll, I'll even give myself a pat on the back. I think it's kind of remarkable that I that I did that. Not many people can run a marathon, and I did it. And I did it coming from a pretty damn terrible place physically. So I guess kudos. Uh, but in terms of like my enjoyment for that kind of thing, I, I didn't enjoy it. And that's the reason why I don't think I'll ever do it again. I'm really adamant about that because my wheelhouse in terms of running is like a 5K or a 10K. Like those are the kinds of things that I can do and they won't screw up my body for weeks on end. Like I came out of this marathon and I I haven't been able to run. I, I, I I had to go see a foot doctor and I am not able to run due to the stress fracture for at least a few more weeks. Like I'm up and I'm walking around now and I'm living my life. I'm not like I'm, you know, I'm not on crutches or anything like that. But it it kept me from doing something that I normally like to do um, a couple of times a week. And now I, I can't do that thing. I can do other things. I can bike and I can row and I can I can you know obviously stay in shape. But uh, I've lost the ability to do one of the things that I like to do. So that's kind of a bummer. Uh, and it's just I'm not. It's it's not worth it. Like that's the other thing is that so even even forget about the fact that I if I did it again I may not get injured right. I don't like being having to shut my body down for several days following an event. Like if I go run a five k, I know that the next day I could live a normal life. I could walk. I could row. I could do whatever I want to do the next day, and my body's not going to feel any different. When I run a half marathon or a full marathon, my body feels different for days and days on end. And the recovery period is just not something I enjoy. I enjoy working out with some regularity. I know that's hard to believe, but I actually do as part of my routine. I like rowing and I like biking and doing all this stuff. And I'm really, I'm a huge fan of the Peloton. I've, I, I, I probably will do a whole thing on that one day about my experience riding the Peloton. Because a lot of people are, are into it now that it's becoming sort of popular. Uh, but the, the, the marathon thing was not, um, I just, it's not something I, I was looking forward to doing. And I understand that the, the weather wasn't, uh, the weather I'm sure did not help. Uh, there were, there were a lot, there were a lot of factors as to why it was a miserable experience, but I don't even, even if it was, 
you know, 50 something degrees and sunny and beautiful and a beautiful wind. And if all the conditions were perfect, and even if I wasn't injured, I still don't think I would do it again because of the way my body feels following something like that. I like being, I'm a huge creature of habit. So I like to do things and stay in a routine. And when things deviate from that, it just, it throws me off. So, uh, I got it out of my system. I'm very proud that I, that I was able to pull it off, but I don't see myself doing it again. And I could see myself doing other things that are far less, that are, are challenging, but are not going to do that, what that did to my body. Um, you know, there, there are things like a, I know there's a, a huge bike ride from, I think it's like Brooklyn all the way to Montauk. Uh, and I think it's they, they do it every September or something like that. I forgot what it's called. There was like it's got the ride to Montauk or something like that. Something like that I would love to do because I actually really the one thing I love doing is biking. Biking is like my favorite uh, exercise thing to do. Um, I don't know how great I am at it, but I, I I enjoy it the most. So that's the kind of thing I could see myself doing. Um, you know the rowing stuff. I, I'm I'm a relatively competent indoor rower. That might be hard to believe, but. Um, so I, you know, there are a lot of like rowing things out there where you can row and bike or row, run and bike, or it's like almost like a, like a mini triathlon, if you want to call it that. So there, there are things that I'm, I'm going to look into, but you know, I just, I don't, I don't see myself ever wanting to do a marathon because I did not enjoy it. And even, even if I, you argue that well, you'd enjoy it more if you were if you gotten better running shape and you were better at it. I don't I don't think so, and I don't really aspire to either. I, I think, you know, this was this was good enough. Like I feel good knowing what I did, and I'm I don't feel like I'm sh- I'm, you know, robbing myself of any kind of opportunity by not pursuing it beyond what I've done. So, uh, it was it was an interesting experience, a unique experience because of the weather and all the other variables. But I definitely will never do that again. And uh, I really, I, I, I said this on uh, social media, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it until I'm, I'm dead. Uh, if Bridget and Andrew and my parents had not been there, I don't know if I would have ended up in the hospital, but I definitely would have needed some medical help <laughs> because I was not in a great frame of mind and I was very unsteady. That, that first 15 to 30 minutes following the marathon. Like they they came over with one of those, like it almost looks like a space blanket. It was like a, like a foil blanket that they throw over you. And they're trying to tell you to do things. Like don't stop walking, keep walking, keep moving around, grab something to eat, grab something to drink. And so I'm, I'm trying to listen to the, to the people who are at the finish line helping me out as well as talk to my own family. But, you know, between the dry heaving and, and the uneasiness I felt... The only thing I can say is that them being there gave me peace of mind at a time where I was in a bit of a panic because I really sincerely didn't know if I could get myself home. And just knowing that they were there, like I knew, all right, worst case scenario, if I can't drive, I can get in Bridget's car or I can get in my parents' car and go back to their place and wait a little while and then go home later. Like I knew I knew I had options with them being there. If they weren't there it would have been really scary for me personally because I would have had to ask somebody else for help. And they had all these medical tents and stuff there, so I, I wouldn't have gone unattended to. But it just, it was nice knowing that I had some support there, not just because of the emotional side of it, but the physical part of it. I, I was worried, you know? There's, there's no getting around how how, uh, how worried I was. So I'll, I'll be forever grateful for having them there because that, uh, that was a scary few minutes for sure. But... Um, yeah, that's my marathon story, my, my my weight loss journey slash marathon story, if you want to call it that. Uh, I thought it was worth a share because I think like I said I think by now anybody listening to this podcast knows where I where I started physically and where I'm at now, and I, I'm I'm you know you never want to say never because things can always change, but I re- I really feel like I'm in a good place physically. And I've got a good routine where I'm not going to put any of this stuff back on like I've done in the past. Uh, and even if I do put it back on, I know exactly what it takes to take it back off. So it's not, I'm not aspiring to add weight back on. I'm just saying that I think at this point I'm in a good place physically, mentally, and all that. And uh, so I don't think it'll happen again. But 
uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to less challenging times ahead in terms of my physical fitness. And uh, I've gotten a lot of this stuff, you know, I got a lot of stuff done in the last year. I've, I've, like I said, I did a 5K in just about 21 minutes, which I, for me is is really good. And I've meddled, I've meddled in a couple of them, like for my age group and stuff. So th- these are all cool little accomplishments for me physically that I did in a relatively short period of time. I, I think that's, I'm okay hanging my hat on that at 39 years old, pushing 40. And if, you know, and that's the other thing too, as I get a little bit older here, the recovery process gets a little bit more challenging. You know, you wake up and there's like 80, 85 bones in your body crack. Your bones are cracking. You have no idea they even existed. So you're sitting there and all of a sudden you're like, get me like, oh man, what, what bone was that? You just, you, you hear a crack and you have no idea what it was. So all that kind of stuff is going to start catching up to me. So I know I, I, I'm not saying I have to slow down, but I definitely need to scale back a tiny bit as, uh, as, as I get a little bit older. But it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey. It's not over for sure. Uh, the most important thing for me is that I stay relatively active because the last thing I want to do is be a hypocrite and tell Andrew, hey, go, go do all this swimming stuff and, and work yourself to death. And meanwhile, you know, dad's going to be back here, you know, polishing off his fifth cheesesteak for the last six days. Like, I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that tell. I don't want to be the do as I say, not as I do dad. I never was a big fan of that mentality. And I don't, uh, I don't think it's the right message to give to a, an athlete. So if, if nothing else, I want to make sure that chief knows that when I ask him to do something, it's because I'm willing to at least put myself through some level of hell as well. Uh, in order to achieve my goals, so maybe you know, maybe that works, maybe it doesn't. Who knows? But that's 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 the idea anyway. So anyway, so thank you for for checking out this episode of the podcast. I'm gonna try. I know I say this every single time. I'm gonna try to crank these out with a little bit more frequency. There's not gonna be any video. Uh, you know, maybe maybe once in a while I'll bring back a video version. But you know, if I really want to do this with any kind of regularity, I think I just got to plop in front of a microphone and talk a little bit. And some of the things I'd like to talk about is this, the state of the New York Giants. <laughs> I'd like to maybe talk a little bit more about Andrew swimming and how some of that's shaken out. Uh, there's a lot of this. There's, there's never any shortage of sports uh, stories or, or fitness stories or things like that. I, I, I would love to do an episode on what it's been like to do to use the Peloton for people who are interested in possibly buying that or, or want to know about indoor cycling or spin classes because that's a whole that's a whole other world that I've been opened up to. So a lot of cool stuff to talk about. I'll try to do a few more of these uh, with some level of frequency. It's always based on my, my time and availability. But um, <clears throat> anyway, Thank you very much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and uh, I will hopefully talk to you soon again. Adios. Take care.